0: we be reading John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve <clears throat> was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet
1: have believed. It is good to be, it is good to be back together as a family. I don't know if you all had nicknames growing up. You might, not, you might have had some. You might have been known by, by a, a name or two that you weren't real, real excited about. I, the first year that I played baseball at practice, the coach's assistant coach, which I think was his teenage son, I think I was in third grade, I, he, he told us to start running and so I took off and I tripped and for the rest of the season, from then on, he called me Claude Hopper, which is great. I mean, that's encouraging and it's going to build you up. I want to show you a picture of a man, Roy Reigels. I don't know if you know who that is, Roy Reigels. He he in the 1927 through 29, he played football for the University of California in Berkeley. He earned first team All American honors. He served as team captain for the Bears and for the Berkeley Bears and in, for the University of California Bears in 1929. But what he's most famous for, if you're a football fan, if you if you know the background of, of this story, what he's most famous for is running the wrong way is his run, wrong way run and they they called him from then on Roy Wrong Way Riggles because on January 1st they were playing in the in the Rose Bowl against Georgia Tech and midway through the second quarter, quarter Riggles he recovers a fumble and he starts he's just right there at the end zone and he would score a touchdown but he ran into someone and he got he got disoriented and so he saw he saw the end zone, down the field, and he ran and ran 69 yards. He was just flying. One of his teammates was following him, screaming, stop, but he thought he was being chased. And from then on, the rest of his life, he was known as wrong, Roy Wrongway Way Riggles, followed him everywhere. He said in an interview, he said, anytime I just hear those two words, wrong way, I turn around. To see who they're talking about, and I bristle a little bit. he wasn't really excited for the most of his life about that nickname when it comes to Thomas, you think about Thomas and what do we know him as doubting Thomas we call him that we refer to him as as, as doubting Thomas most of us have for years and years you know he's not he's not known for what he was throughout Jesus' ministry and later on he's not known as Thomas the disciple or Thomas the faithful or rather Thomas the strong. But doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. But as you can see from the slide, we're going to look at him closely, a little closer tonight. And does he really deserve that name? And I and I liked the idea of calling him confident Thomas, and I'll explain that as we get As We get going but if we go over to John chapter 11 if you would John chapter 11, and we're going to look at 1 through 16 I'm not going to read the whole thing John chapter 11 And if you if you look at that if you have chapter headings, then then you know what's going on you know you know that Lazarus has died and and Jesus loves lazarus and he and he's getting ready to go back to heal him to bring him back to life or or to be back with with his people and and get loved on and love on them and then we have this statement with when 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 they realize that they're going back and they're going into a place that the, the disciples don't want him to be at thomas makes this statement, let us go also that we may die with him. Now the rest of the disciples are reluctant to go, but he has something in him that says, and and it's confidence in something and in someone. and, And it says to us that he was willing to die for Jesus. Something about Jesus made him willing to die with him and for him. What would, what would that take to, for you to get to a point where you look at someone and, and, and there's danger and, and it's, it's inevitable in your mind, and you look at that person and you say, "I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to die for you." And so automatically, hopefully, you thought, <laughs> hopefully, you thought, "Well, of course my spouse." I would say that for my spouse. I'm, I'm willing to die with you if it's inevitable. Let's die again. And obviously, hopefully, you thought, oh, definitely my children. It's a no-brainer. Because why? Because you spend time with them and you, you form these bonds with them and you get close to them and you care about them. And the time comes, and hopefully it, it won't, prayerfully it won't, when, when you have to make a decision, die with them, go with them, or hang back, and Thomas doesn't make that statement. He is, he is confident that Jesus is worth dying with. He was confident enough to, to be willing to die for the cause of Christ. So what did Thomas? what do you think Thomas learned or knew about Jesus that would make him be willing to say that about him? Well, he spent time with him. He watched what Jesus was all about. Loving people, caring about people, healing people, providing people for people and ministering to the people. And he spent time with them personally, with just the 12, being loved on and being taught and being gotten on to sometimes. But he knew that he was in the presence of someone special. And we'll see that in just a little bit. But can we say that about ourselves? Are we confident in our belief Of Christ to say wherever he wants me to go I'm gonna go and if it comes to the point where I die I die for the cause I'm willing to do that well how will we get to that point spending time with Jesus just like excuse me just like Thomas did spending time with Jesus And I believe that the more time we spend in the word, I am sure that the more time we spend in the word learning about his life, learning his teachings, learning about his ways and what he wanted to do when he was here, what he did when he was here and what he's doing for us, the more time we spend, the more the closer we will get and the more likely we will be willing enough to confident enough to die because of him, because of our Lord, and we will be willing to participate in death like our Lord did in the death and burial and resurrection. Hopefully, we, we, before we became Christians, when we made that decision to become Christians, we decided he's worth dying for. I, I He's worth being put into the water and dying and buried and being It's worth it. And because you learned about Christ and you learned about Jesus and, and what he did for us, he was worth it. You spent time with them, got close enough to him to make that decision. And hopefully, hopefully that's the case for, for all of us, that we do that on a regular basis. Notice this, Thomas was confident enough to ask questions. You go over to John chapter 14. And Jesus is teaching here in 1 through 16, uh, 1 through 6. And he's saying some wonderful words, some encouraging words, but apparently they're confusing words. And one through six, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. All right. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have you have told you this is verse two of John 14. If I go prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that. Where I am, there you may also be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, here's his question, and I, I I believe this took confidence, took boldness, and he says to him, lord we we don't we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And we know jesus' answer, but that took bold, something inside of Thomas was confident enough to stop Jesus in his teaching and say, but can you explain this a little bit better? Can you help me understand a little bit better what you're teaching? We don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I don't know if that cleared it up for him, but when I read that, And I read about a way being prepared for me and that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and the only way to get to God. I get excited because most people don't understand that Jesus is the way to God. You know, our perspective 2000 years after the fact on the words of Jesus, you know, that that helps make things clear for us. But obviously for Thomas, it was confusing when he heard it or I don't we don't understand. I don't doubt that the others around him under, didn't understand. I, I, I don't think they understood either. But it seems like Thomas was the one with the most confidence enough to say, okay, you've lost me. And what that teaches me is that there, comes, there will come times when we're confused. Thomas didn't understand, so he asked the honest question. And notice that Jesus didn't rebuke him, didn't, didn't get on to him. He just asked that question and then Jesus answered in a beautiful way, in in a way that brought more confidence. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions that people have as Christians and just in life that questions are wrong to ask. But the questions that we ask as we're studying the Bible lead us to answers. The answers are there in Scripture. And sometimes it takes getting together with someone who has studied more to learn more. But it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have questions. And it's okay to admit that you don't know something and you need to learn more about it. And hopefully hopefully here at Graeber Road in the classes that we have, hopefully we all understand. It's okay to voice confusion sometimes because there are people who here who will answer, help you answer out of the scriptures. Questions are one of the greatest resources we have for growth and knowledge and spiritual maturity. And so we've got to ask ourselves, are we willing? Are we, are we confident enough to accept the fact that we don't know everything? Accept this fact that there are going to be times when we need to ask questions. There are people who, who might be a little uncomfortable admitting that they don't know something that they should know in the Bible. Then learn it, yes. But admit to yourself that you don't know and and then allow yourself to ask. We most likely can't. There are people that I marvel at who know the scriptures and have this mind, this kind of mind that can memorize and memorize and memorize. We may never be like that. But we need to be trying to ask those questions and and learn about what the Bible teaches about life, and be confident enough like Thomas to ask questions. So he's confident enough to ask questions. He's also confident enough to accept the truth when he does ask for proof. And so we go to John chapter 20, and we had that, we had that reading just a few moments ago. Jesus had been appearing. Jesus has died and he's resurrected. He's been appearing. But, but Thomas wasn't with the other the other apostles, he, he wasn't with the others. And the other disciples, I guess, therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. So he said to them, I, I'm not sure. He had the confidence to say, I, I, and I believe it took confidence. I don't I don't know if I can believe this. This is where we get the phrase doubting Thomas. He said in verse 25 of 20. Unless I see it in his hands, a print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side. I, I'm not going to believe. And so after eight days, it happens again. They're, they're inside. Thomas is with him. Jesus came, doors shut the, and stood, stands in the midst of them in 26. And he says, peace to you. And he focuses on Thomas and he knows what Thomas has said. Unless I see the nail marks, unless I touch them, unless I put my hand and Jesus approaches him. Focuses on him. Says Thomas, r- "Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your, you reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, then Thomas, but do be believing." Then Thomas answers this beautiful answer once he realizes and he accepts the proof. Oh Lord, my God, my Lord and my God. So we get on to him at that point because he's asking in John chapter twenty, "I need proof." And we get on to him. We say, well, he he's he's doubting. See, that's why we call him doubting. That's that's right. But you know, there are other times in Scripture where Jesus' followers didn't believe that he had been resurrected. You look at Mark sixteen eleven, and when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen by her by Mary, they they did not believe. Who? People who had been following him. People who have heard him say. I will, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die, but here's what's going to happen. And these people have been taught, have followed him, watched him do miraculous things. And here they are, and and they get news he's alive, and they they don't believe her. Fascinating. So we we don't label them, well, doubting disciples. We're going to call them that the rest of the time that we're Christians, and we're studying about doubting disciples. Mark sixteen fourteen. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they didn't believe those who had seen him after he had risen. People had seen him and they weren't believed. Why? I, I'm not sure because they had been. He had prepared them to see, to see him, and to and to believe that he had risen. I don't know what happened to them in, in between that time. Luke twenty four nine and eleven. They returned from the tomb, told all these things to the eleven, to the rest. It was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, told these things to the apostles, and, and their words seemed like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Why were there women at the, at the tomb? What were they doing? They, they, they didn't understand. Obviously, they were going to go take care of this body finally. But the tomb was open. They didn't understand. But apparently the disciples didn't understand. Apparently, the eleven and the rest of them didn't understand and didn't believe. And they didn't, they didn't believe the proof. The eyewitness account, he's not there. And we taught, we saw him. But here's Thomas. They're not confident enough to believe that Jesus did what he said he would do. They're not confident in that, but Thomas is confident to ask for proof. Once the proof is presented to him, he accepts it. That's confidence. That's faith. He wanted to be sure. You know, the disciples wanted to be sure that they just weren't confident enough to voice their, their timidity and believing. But Thomas' reaction is beautiful. It's just beautiful. My Lord and my God. He's confident enough to accept the proof. I've shared this with, with a lot of you. Around this time, six years ago, I got pulled over. And I deserve to be pulled over. And when the officer got out of the car and I, and I was trying to do it right, I raised my hands to show I, I, I don't have any weapons. Please know this from the beginning. I don't have any weapons. And then he wanted a license. Why? To prove that I legally could be on the road. He wanted my license. And so I handed it as proof. And he took that and he believed it. And then he wanted to insurance the insurance information to prove that I was responsible enough to be liable for, for what I was doing. And so I gave that to him, presented it to him. He took it, he looked at it, and he believed it. And then I got the ticket, so I don't know. But he believed. He believed that what I was handing him was proof enough. That I was who I was, and I had what I had, and i was that I was able to do what I was trying to do that i that I lawfully could do Thomas he's confident, he's bold, he does believe, obviously, and he makes that choice he based on the information that's at hand, he makes that choice, and so are we confident enough to make sure? that Jesus is really Jesus. How would you do that? You read about Him. You, you study Him. You marvel at Him. You learn a, about Him. You get close to Him. You get in the same mindset as Him, and then you will be confident enough to make sure. And are we confident enough to ask to see the evidence? Because it's there. It's okay to ask. You don't want to make a decision based on someone else telling you. You want to see it yourself. In in black and white and red and white in the scriptures. We can't take anyone else's word for it. We've got to see him in the scriptures, to touch him through the scriptures, to then be willing to be crucified with them based on the information that we get from the scriptures. We look at Thomas and we don't see a doubter. We see a confident disciple. We look at Thomas and we see for us a recorded response in reference to the identity of Jesus, now we, we have to understand we know about Him, we've studied about Him, we've heard about Him, we believe in Him, but are we willing to be like Thomas and confident in our belief? Do we believe or doubt that Jesus is the Christ and are we living like that? As we wrap this up, I'm going to ask you a question. Think about wrong way, wrong way Roy. Not that's Roy. But I want you to think about this. Are you running in the wrong direction? And how long have you been running in the wrong direction? And you need to turn around if you understand that you're running in the wrong direction. Turn around, get in the right direction, allow people to help you get there. If you're not a Christian, you've been running in the wrong direction. Repent, turn around, come back. Christians, we end up running in the wrong direction at different times. Do you realize it? Listen to each other and then listen to the scriptures and turn around. But if you've been running the wrong way and you're ready to turn back around and run the right way, Christian or non-Christian, you're ready to become a Christian, have your sins washed away because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're ready to repent of those sins, turn around, run the other way, and you're ready to confess him before men and put him on in baptism, you're ready to do that, turn around, run the right way, and we will help you. If there are any other needs that can be met by coming forward, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.